Welcome to the Presentation Boss Podcast. I'm Kate Norris. I'm Thomas Craft. And we're here to help you plan, design, and deliver your best presentation. Welcome to episode 48 of the Presentation Boss Podcast, where we help you present like a boss. And today we are going for maybe the world's best known boss, Bill Gates. <laughs> Today we're doing another speech breakdown where we play a speech and we pause it at times to comment on what we've just heard or seen. We chose this particular Bill Gates TED Talk. I've seen a couple of his, uh, but I, I remember seeing it some years ago and really enjoyed it. It's super succinct and I think direct. It's only eight minutes long. Given the global pandemic that's been declared recently, I've seen it shared uh, quite a few times in the social medias. Yeah, so everyone's talking about it. Consider us aboard this bandwagon. <laughs> so the reason we do these speech breakdowns is because we know that watching and listening to other presenters and thinking critically about the choices they've made, what's working for them, what doesn't work for them, is one of the best ways to become a better presenter. Mm. We'll be listening today to eight and a half minutes of Bill Gates presenting this back in 2015. So keep that in mind of when this was presented. It's at TED in Vancouver, Canada. And I'm just going to jump in there. I just want to point out that it is TED and not TEDx. TED are generally reserved for the biggest speakers, the real the real curated high-platform speakers. Occasionally, a TEDx is promoted to a TED speech. Like Simon Sinek's yep. talk. But it has to be really, really good for that to happen. So this talk by Bill Gates in March 2015 is called The Next Outbreak, We're Not Ready. When I was a kid, the disaster we worried about most was a nuclear war. That's why we had a barrel like this down in our basement, filled with cans of food and water. When the nuclear attack came, we were supposed to go downstairs, hunker down, and eat out of that barrel. <laughs> Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe... Okay, this is one of the best openings ever. Yeah, I love it. He has walked in with a trolley and this like toxic waste barrel on the trolley. <laughs> well, it looks like looks like a military type barrel. Yeah. Put it next to him on the stage and then walked into the middle and started telling a story about these barrels. So we're starting with a story. We've got these awesome visual aids that's immediately grabbing attention. But then he's making sure we're not distracted by that really strong visual aid. By addressing it immediately. It's just, it's just got all the things. <laughs> I'm like loving this. Because I've obviously seen this talk before and you haven't. I right? haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I've you're, seen it shared like a thousand times and I've not actually watched it. You're having the exact same reaction and loving the exact same things that I do. Yeah. <laughs> Go on. I want to have just a two second chat about what he's wearing. I like it. It's a pair of grey slacks, a business shirt and I think they call it a sweater. It's like a really light jumper. I think it's a sweater. It's uh, like what you'd wear to golf on a cold day, maybe. I think, to be honest, having seen Bill Gates speak a fair bit, that's the Bill Gates brand. I, yeah. I always see him wearing that. Yep. Okay, right. let's keep going. <laughs> Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this. 
So I love the combination he's got going on here of visual aids. Yes, he's got the physical barrels on the trolley sitting beside him, but he's also got some uh, slides up behind him. Now, I'm going to assume that they're PowerPoint slides because he is the Microsoft guy, right? Not Keynote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or Prezi. <laughs> um, so that one, he said the crisis we used to be worried about was this, and it had a picture of a nuclear mushroom cloud. The crisis we're now worried about is this, and it's a like microscope image of a virus with a caption under it, which just simply says influenza virus. This is really adding a complementary visual element to a presentation. We can listen to him and watch these supporting images help to tell the story. Instead, it looks like this. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Now, part of the reason for this is that we have invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence. But we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. We're not ready for the next epidemic. Let's look at Ebola. I'm sure all of you read about it in the newspaper. Uh, lots of tough challenges. I followed it uh, carefully through the uh, case analysis tools we use to track polio eradication. And as you look at what went on... I want to touch on Bill Gates' credibility here, because I don't know, Kate, if like you know what Bill Gates does now. I know that he's really big into philanthropic philanthropy. <laughs> um, but that's all I know. Yeah, right, right. I'm going to make the assumption that before he walked out onto this TED stage, he had some sort of introduction that talked about his current work, which, yes, as you say, is philanthropic in nature, but has been very much directed at sort of world health, at especially in, uh, in developing countries where him and Melinda have a huge focus on health. Right, okay. So, like, he touched on there very briefly about the, the case study programs that they used to follow gave a little bit of credibility, but I would imagine that uh, a lot of that background and credibility was given in his introduction that he would have supplied and he was introduced with to help give the audience really good context about why the Microsoft guy is talking about health if you didn't already know. Hmm. Yep, yep. And as you look at what went on, the problem wasn't that there was a system that didn't work well enough. The problem was that we didn't have a system at all. In fact, there are some pretty obvious uh, key missing pieces. We didn't have a group of epidemiologists ready to go who would have gone, seen what the disease was, see how far it had spread. Uh, the case reports came in on paper. Uh, it was very delayed before they were put online, and they were extremely inaccurate. We didn't have a medical team ready to go. We didn't have a way of preparing people. Now, Medicine Sans Frontiers did a great job orchestrating volunteers, but even so, we were far slower than we should have been getting the thousands of workers into these countries. And a large epidemic would require us to have hundreds of thousands of workers. There was no one there to look at treatment approaches, uh, no one to look at the diagnostics, no one to, to figure out what tools should be used. As an example, uh, we could have taken the blood of survivors process it, and put that plasma back in people to protect them. Uh, but that was never tried. So there was a lot that was missing, and these things are really a global failure. 
The WHO is funded to monitor epidemics, but not to do these things I talked about. Now, in the movies, it's quite different. There's a group of handsome epidemiologists <laughs> ready to go. They move in, they save the day, but that's just pure Hollywood. The failure to prepare could allow the next epidemic to be dramatically more devastating than Ebola. Let's look at the progression of Ebola over this year. About 10,000 people died, and nearly all were in the three West African countries. Just want to touch on his visuals again here. He's got a little map of the west coast, the west coast of Africa, and where the Ebola outbreak kind of happened. You've got a counter of total deaths and the number of days on the left, and that's just flying up. And then you've got all these little red dots that's showing the spread of the disease. And I think this is effective. The actual counter isn't necessarily important. What's important there is that it's flying up at the same time that the days are flying up. The point is that the numbers are moving upwards very quickly, and then we've got those little red dots kind of all popping up all over the map. So even though there's text and numbers, the important bit is actually the movement in them. It's a really effective data viz. I like it. And nearly all were in the three West African countries. There's three reasons why it didn't spread more. The first is there was a lot of heroic work by the health workers. They found the people and they prevented more infections. The second is the nature of the virus. Ebola does not spread through the air, and by the time you're contagious, most people are so sick that they're bedridden. Third, it didn't get into many urban areas, and that was just luck.、Uh, if it had gotten into a lot more urban areas,、uh, the case numbers would have been much larger. So next time we might not be so lucky. Uh, you can have a virus where people feel well enough while they're infectious that they get on a plane or they go to a market. The source of the virus could be a natural epidemic like Ebola, or it could be bioterrorism. And so there are things that would literally make things a thousand times worse. Well, that's uncanny. <laughs> mm, oh my gosh, this is just. You can understand why that's being shared now in 2020, right? I really can. This is just scarily accurate. Keep going. And so there are things that would literally make things a thousand times worse. In fact, let's look at a model of a virus、uh, spread through the air、uh, like the Spanish flu、uh, back in 1918. So here's what would happen: it would spread throughout the world very, very quickly. And you can see there's over 30 million people die from that epidemic. So this is a serious problem. Oh my God! The entire okay. So he's brought up a world map, and basically the entire thing is red except for a little patch in the middle of Australia in our desert, and then that looks like the top of Canada. Yeah, this is a map in similar vein to that one we just saw around Africa, but obviously it's the whole world, and it played for a few seconds there. We basically just watched the little dots on the map、uh, take over every landmass.、Uh, in that model, says less than a year. So that's a really powerful and I think scary. Model of what we could be faced with, given what he is talking about. To see it visually is very different to the reports that I've heard. So I think we're really seeing the power of visual models here. Yep. All right, keep going. So this is a serious problem. We should be concerned. But in fact, we can build a really good response system. 
We have the benefits of all the science and technology that we talk about here. We've got cell phones to get information from the public and get information out to them. We have satellite maps where we can see where people are and where they're moving. We have advances in biology that should dramatically change the turnaround time to look at a pathogen and be able to make drugs and vaccines that fit for that、uh, pathogen. So we can have tools, but those tools need to be put into an overall global health system, and we need preparedness. The best lessons, I think, on how to get prepared are again what we do for war. For soldiers, we have full time、uh, waiting to go. We have reserves that can scale us up to large numbers. A NATO has a mobile unit that can deploy very rapidly. NATO does a lot of war games to check are people well trained. Do they understand about fuel and logistics and the same radio frequencies? So they are absolutely ready to go. So those are the kinds of things we need to deal with an epidemic.、Uh, what are the key pieces?、Uh, first is we need strong health systems in poor countries.、Uh, that's where、uh, mothers can give birth safely. Kids can get all their vaccines, but also where we'll see the outbreak very early on. We need a medical reserve corps. Lots of people who've got the training and background who are ready to go with the expertise. And then we need to pair those medical people with the military, taking advantage of the military's ability to move fast, do logistics, and secure areas. We need to do simulations, germ games, not war games. So that we see where the holes are. The last time a germ game was done in the United States was back in 2001, and it didn't go so well. So far, the score is germs one, people zero. Finally, we need lots of advanced R&D in areas of vaccines and diagnostics. There are some big breakthroughs, like adeno-associated virus, that could work very, very quickly. Now I don't have an exact budget for what this would cost, but I'm quite sure it's very modest compared to the potential harm. The World Bank estimates that if we have a worldwide flu epidemic, global wealth will go down by over three trillion dollars, and we'd have millions and millions of deaths. These investments offer significant benefits beyond just being ready for the epidemic.、Uh, the primary health care, the R&D, those things would reduce global health equity. And make、uh, the world more just as well as more safe. So I think this should absolutely be a priority. There's no need to panic. We don't have to hoard cans of spaghetti or go down into the basement. I think I've felt a little bit lost in the last couple of minutes because now he's going into what we need to do, and it's things like research and development, align the military, have enough medical personnel. And I feel like I'm in absolutely no possible position to make any difference to that. So I've gone from like, oh my god, this is just like crazy. This is exactly what's happening. To, oh my god, there's nothing that I can do about this. So I think what I would have liked, and I don't even know if this is possible, but for it to be somehow just a little bit more relatable to me who's sitting at home and not in government. Yeah, I can totally see what you mean. I think the thing we don't know here is who he's speaking to, like specifically who his audience is. Yeah. Or, or the speaker's brief he was given, the level he needs to communicate at.、Uh, it probably wasn't us sitting at home. It's probably、mm. something pretty safe to say there. Yeah.
There's no need to panic. We don't have to hoard cans of spaghetti or go down into the basement. But we need to get going because time is not on our side. In fact, if there's one positive thing that can come out of the Ebola epidemic, it's that it can serve as a early warning, a wake-up call to get ready. If we start now, we can be ready for the next epidemic. Thank you. Well, it's really good that we started in 2015 and there wasn't a coronavirus outbreak. Maybe we'll be ready by 2025. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, we can see why this has been shared so much in 2020, right? Yeah, this was an incredibly interesting topic. Uh, before we get into sort of the higher level um, comments we want to make here, I actually really liked, he did that callback right at the end where he said, uh, we don't have to go into the basement or hoard cans of spaghetti. And he sort of gestured back towards the two barrels that are sitting uh, just off to the side of the stage. So I liked that that looped back into his opening story. Yes, that was good. Yep, yep, yep. I'm curious then, Kate, what was the message you got from this talk? That we're not ready for a global pandemic. It's kind of right there in the title, isn't it? The next yeah. outbreak, we're not ready. Yeah, I think that was carried through really nicely. I don't think he deviated from that at all. He was a really well-controlled stick to the message talk. Yeah, that is absolutely something that struck me about this talk. I think if you asked any expert about Ebola to speak without a time limit, you would get caught in so many rabbit holes and detail and stories. And it mm. really is a collection of very unlikely numbers. He did a really good job, I think, of, as you said, control and choosing just the facts he needed to communicate that message quickly and effectively. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So then let's talk about what we saw, his delivery. I think super polished. Oh, yeah. We touched on what he's wearing. He's wearing the Bill Gates brand. We touched on the hand trolley with the, the two barrels sitting on it. And he also had the slide deck running in the background. I'm, I'm still convinced it's PowerPoint that it wasn't something else. That PowerPoint was beautifully designed without being distracting. Mostly it served as title cards when he was running through those lists, like that last list was the five things we can do to prepare. Yeah. But it did also give him a seamless transition into that data visualization with those maps and a couple of photos that he had in there as well. I'm sure this talk mostly holds up audio only, but seeing this whole presentation come together with him, the visual aids and the props, it is super polished. He's clearly put an enormous amount of time and probably had an enormous amount of advice into making this talk as good as it is. So overall, Kate, that was the first time you've seen this talk. What was your thoughts? Yeah, fantastic. Really clear message, really lovely delivery, really clear. Obviously very relevant right now, but even if it wasn't, I think that's a really, really neat, great talk. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it as well. I'm so I'm so glad it came back into like back into my sphere of consciousness just recently. Such a great example of succinct, controlled, and uh, message oriented talk right there. Mm. I love it. So I think we've offered no suggestions for what he could have done differently because I can't see any. That that's just a beautiful talk. So it was Bill Gates at TED in 2015 with the next outbreak. We're not ready. The link is in the show notes. I encourage you to go and spend eight and a half minutes and watch all of that uh, in its entirety. Get the full visual experience of him presenting as well. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. We hope you saw some value in this speech breakdown. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. 
Thanks for listening to today's show. Head to presentationboss.com.au slash podcast where you'll find the show notes for this episode, all other episodes and other free resources. If you've seen a speech you'd like us to break down on the show, flick us the link at podcast at presentationboss.com.au. Most importantly, we rely on you to share the information in this podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please recommend us to a friend or we'd love for you to give us a review on iTunes. It helps more people find us. Have a great week. So this is a serious problem. We should be concerned. No kidding. But in fact, we can build 